I know that Fritz Cast, I'm all, you know, I talk about politics, I talk about current events, I talk about the news, I talk about important matters. And today, this episode, this very episode, is before a very important event. So before we begin, and and, and the play and music's going to be different this week, but before we, we begin, I just wanted you all to hear this. Fly. Eagles fly. On the road to victory. Fight, Eagles. Fight. Score a touchdown. One, two, three. Hit them low. Hit them high. And watch our Eagles fly. Fly, Eagles. Fly. On the road to victory. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Guys, welcome to another edition of the Fritzcast. It's Friday, February 2nd, 2018, and yes, this Sunday is Super Bowl 52. Super Bowl 52 featuring my Philadelphia Eagles versus the New England Patriots. And all the media coverage up until now has been about the Patriots Tom Brady, Super Bowl ring number six for the GOAT. That's literally been all the media talk. If you want to see Eagles media, you you literally have to go on to the media day for the Super Bowl and dig it up because the Patriots stuff is what's promoted. The Patriots, it's all the Patriots. Patriots, Patriots, Patriots shoved down your throat. And I couldn't be happier about that you know why see when Carson Wentz went down in the game against the Los Angeles Rams when Carson Wentz went out everybody sat there all the NFL fans sat there mind you they've been doing this all season long anyway they all sat there Carson Wentz carded well not carted off the field mind you Carson Wentz tears his ACL and revealed just a week or so ago that he also tore his LCL. He tore that in that game and still threw a touchdown pass. He tore it on the play previously, trying to dive into the end zone for a touchdown, which got recalled, I believe, if I'm thinking about it right. Still stayed on the field for a play and threw a touchdown pass before walking off the field. That's a tough son of a gun. But when that happened, everybody in the NFL, all all, all you NFL punk fans, you sat there and you said, You Eagles are done! You're done! You can't do it without Carson Wentz. That's the only reason you're even on the map is because of Carson Wentz. And now he's gone. You're done. You're not gonna get 
to the Super Bowl. Yeah, you're in the playoffs. You're one and done. Well, we had a bye week in the playoffs. We didn't have to play the first round. Because the first round is the wild card round. So, we got to sit out. And who do we end up facing but the previous NFC champions, the Atlanta Falcons, the guys that blew their lead last year and had a chance to wipe the Patriots off the map. And I mean, literally, they were stomping the Patriots for three freaking quarters and then melt down. In what people like to call one of the most epic comebacks ever, and it probably was. Uh, it was great for the the five real Patriots fans that exist in the world and for the nine billion Patriot bandwagon fans that became fans probably in 2005 because of Tom Brady alone. Um, it was it was a great time for them and everybody else just kind of was like, this is this is old, it's boring, it's stupid. Which, I mean, you know, yeah, you do have a point when people are winning and then you just hate on them for the fact that they're winning. I don't. I don't hate on the Patriots for that. Um, I really don't. But the Falcons had a chance to kill it off last year, and because they epically melted down, uh, the Patriots lived to fight another day and build up another dynasty aspect of their uh, their organization and their franchise. That being said, the Eagles are a different team. So we face... The previous NFC champions, the Atlanta Falcons, and we're told that we're going to get crushed. And we win that game 15 to 10. 15 to 10. We, we, uh, it's not a trouncing, but it was a defensive stand. Julio Jones couldn't rein in the ball in the end zone on the last play. And the Eagles advance. The Eagles advanced to take on the Minnesota Vikings where we were told that we were facing the best defense in the NFL and we would get crushed. And what did we do? We crushed them. We crushed the Minnesota Vikings. That game was signed, sealed, and delivered. All right, 38-7. to we pulled, we pulled the Vikings' trousers down and we slapped their behinds. And we sent them home. And we said, home for the Super Bowl for you? Yeah, you'll be home watching it. And now here we are in Minnesota. And again, the rest of the NFL universe. Oh, the Eagles again are underdogs. The Eagles are going to get trounced by the Patriots. And you know what? I say keep it up. I've said I've said it for the past two weeks. Keep it up. Pour it on. Pour on all the haterade. Just keep dumping it all over us. Keep calling us underdogs. Keep saying we don't deserve it. Keep judging an entire fan base of, you're talking about 60,000 plus every week in Lincoln Financial Field. That's like a 60,000-seater stadium sold out all the time. Judge that whole fan base plus about a million or greater spread out across the United States for whatever reason. Displaced from Philly, family grew up there, whatever. You're going to judge the entire fan base by the action of a few assholes. I'll agree. When they were talking about fans chucking beer cans and all that. You have assholes in every fan base. 
Every fan base has those jackasses. And I tell people all the time, especially here in the Delaware, the tri-state region here, Delaware, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, uh, throw in Maryland and all that. The reason why you hear that about the Eagles fans all the time is because you're in the regional area. You don't hear about the guy that died at a freaking, it was either an Oakland or a San Francisco game, died because of the stupidity that was going on. You, you never hear those stories because they're all the way on the West Coast and it's not as fun as picking on Philly because they once threw snowballs at Santa Claus. That's my favorite one to, to date. Oh, they threw snowballs at Santa Claus. They have a jail in their stadium. Yet yeah, they did in the 80s when it was at the vet. They don't do it now. All right, the NFC Championship celebration, zero arrests. Zero arrests, not really violent. Yeah, was there a was was a trash can set on fire in the middle of the street? Sure, whatever. Yet Boston didn't freaking burn their town down when the Red Sox won the World Series. That didn't happen. Oh wait, yeah, it did. So yeah, people get stupid with sports, absolutely. And I I, I don't think it's the sixty-ish uh, thousand other people that are responsible for stopping that that one guy or that group of twenty people, like. Obviously, we need to stand up and do our part and be good fans. But everybody just wants to dump on Philly. So, you know, it's dump on Philly. Yeah, you know, whatever. The Eagles team, that's a team of perseverance. That's a young team, a bold team, a passionate team. And if you really read into what's going on in that locker room with Doug Peterson and that team, there's a lot of interesting different things that, that's going on in the Eagles locker room that's not going on elsewhere. And you got so many good players, so many community-minded and oriented players. Malcolm Jenkins doing work on a level. His protests this year in the NFL, he hasn't been a kneeler, for those of you that... The kneelers! Those goddamn kneelers! He hasn't been a kneeler. He held his fist up during the National Anthem, and that was it. He just held his fist up. That's what he did. I guess that's hateful too, and you and you can't like the guy and, and you know damn him for using a First Amendment right and such to to make such a a distraction in the game, holding his fist up in the air. But he does a lot of work for the Philadelphia community. Chris Long, um, who <laughs> up until now, up until recently, I didn't know he was Howie Long's son, because <laughs> I'm dumb. That's why Chris Long donated his entire 2017 paycheck to uh, not only Philadelphia, but split it between Philadelphia, uh, Massachusetts, and I believe Houston, Texas, where he also played. Uh, The three teams that he played for donated his entire check to uh, education causes for children in those. um, Lane Johnson, a big another donator. Uh, Carson Wentz driving a huge uh, charity organization being the focal point. And, and lots of Eagles do this, and they also have a more spiritual uh, aspects that they're they're participating in it as a team. There's a lot of people on that team that are big on religion. Uh, the, they, they were doing baptisms and such this year uh, on, on a different scale. Find an NFL team where teammates are bonding at that level. Very, very odd to see in a pro sports organization like that. But, like I said, the players that are there, the personnel that's there, the culture that is in 
the Philadelphia Eagles organization right now is very different from what it's ever been before. And those guys are playing a game, and they enjoy playing the game. And I think they enjoy playing the game more than bickering about how much money they're making, how many millions of dollars their contracts are, which is a different... That's something different that we could talk about and tackle at a different time. Nick Foles, uh, his underdog story from, from being with the Philadelphia Eagles back in 2012, 2013, 2014, posting up great numbers for a quarterback, at least... More than decent, not the greatest, but pretty good numbers, solid numbers for a young quarterback at that time. Getting screwed over by Chip Kelly, the the worst head coach in the history of football, in the history of, of recent NFL head coaches. There's a reason Chip Kelly's back in college, and, and but he's terrible, terrible. Pretty much tore the organization apart before leaving. And then now Doug Peterson's somehow miraculously patched it back up to a Super Bowl. Something that Chip Kelly couldn't get the Eagles to. So I, I'm very hype. I'm very excited for Sunday. I'm so glad I have off and I have the opportunity to watch the Eagles for the second time in my lifetime in the Super Bowl. The second time against the Patriots. And... God willing, fingers crossed, maybe they finally bring the Lombardi home to Philadelphia. Where we're just hungry for it, man. It, the, the saying has always been, one before I die. And if ever there was a time through all the adversity that they went through this year, and I wrote a lengthy article about this on fritzcast.wordpress.com. Please visit. Please read. Um, it was actually highly read. This week, too. This past week. I wrote a lengthy article about it. Uh, for, through all the adversity, all the challenges, uh, all the injuries, and all the doubt, and all the haters, never have they looked more poised to take it all in and bring that trophy home as underdogs. And and you know what? You know what, Patriots fans? I'm not... I don't... I haven't crap-talked. I, I really haven't been talking smack like that all week nor the week previously I haven't been talking smack I, I'll just say this though to end the football talk because I know some of you are, are sitting here like is he going to get to the is he going to get to the State of the Union I want to hear his thoughts on the State of the Union I really do for those of you out there I'm getting to it wait hold on but Patriots fans I'm, I, all I'm going to say is this don't be sad because it ended be happy because it happened, and you were alive to witness it. And I'm only saying that to the five real Patriots fans out there. The other, you bandwagoners that aren't going to care about the Patriots when once Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are gone, screw you guys. All right, screw you guys. You're not even real fans. You you just rode a train, and that was it. I've been a lifelong Eagles fan. I've been through the pain and the torture and 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 the agony and the excessive drinking. All right, I've been through it all. But it, it's all going to hopefully pay off on Sunday. Super Bowl 52 is this Sunday at 6.30 p.m. Hopefully the Super Bowl commercials are funny. I think they've been lame the past couple of years. 
and something about Justin Timberlake at the halftime show. I don't know. That's all you need to know. That's it. That's all it is for the Eagles, man. That's all it is talking about football. Uh, I've had an interesting past week. Um, And also, i got to dive into this before I dive into other news and all that. It has been one year since... uh, since a very terrible, tragic event happened in Delaware for the Department of Corrections, for which I am employed. Today is February 2nd, but yesterday on February 1st, we had a hostile takeover and riot in one of our major institutions downstate in in Smyrna, Delaware, uh, where 120 offenders uh, incarcerated in uh, the James T. Vaughn Correctional Facility uh, took over a building and uh, more or less, the only way to say it is that a, a sergeant, Sergeant Stephen Floyd, was murdered while performing his duties. Um, not only that, but he, he went, down as a, went down as a hero that day, saving lives and, and telling responders that, that the offenders there had set up a trap, and we're trying to get hostages um, to, to make a statement. Um, I posted this yesterday on my Facebook, so I'm just going to read it real quick. February 1st, 2017. We haven't forgotten that day that one of our own realized there was something bigger going on at the start of an incident, that you shouted warning to responding officers that it was a trap, that you probably knew you weren't making it out of there. The hell that awaited. And you didn't make it out of there. It led to a very lengthy standoff that lasted well into the night and early the next morning. We, your brothers and sisters, came together and held the line, hoping, praying, working, not sleeping, waiting. Not wanting to hear what we heard. Quoting Department of Corrections Commissioner Perry Phelps, Quote, The fourth hostage... Sergeant Stephen Floyd was found unresponsive and at 5.29 a.m. Sergeant Stephen Floyd, who was with the department for 16 years, was pronounced dead. We haven't forgotten how we were told that real changes are coming. Hopefully everyone remembers because you truly did sacrifice everything. Sergeant Stephen Floyd, end of watch, February 2nd, 2017. Now, I can't get all political in talking about some of those things going on, but I will say that it better not be forgotten. I'll make sure it's not forgotten, and I constantly do my part to push for a better Department of Correction in Delaware. So keep that in your thoughts and in your mind, and do some research online about that. It was a very tragic event. It's something that still hits very close to home. And unfortunately, changes don't happen overnight. So uh, the department is still going through transition period. It's going to be doing it for the next couple of years. Um, And really, it's downright unacceptable that somebody had to pay with their life for it. It really is. It truly is. 
Now, uh, something that's kind of breakthrough on a libertarian news front, or, or just an independent-minded person's front, healthcare. Healthcare is the often debated topic, subject. It's in the middle of political debates. It was a hot topic with uh, Hillary Clinton. It was a hot topic with the debates for the presidency and um, local debates between governors and, and uh, senators took the forefront uh universal health care has been pushed by progressive um people on the left side of the political spectrum the right side of the spec uh, the right side of the political spectrum doesn't want to keep health care the way it is they want to change it in different ways as well now we have amazon amazon which you know big powerful internet mega house uh big employer amazon's coming together Jeff Bezos is uh, Amazon CEO, and Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway are forming their own healthcare company with J.P. Morgan Chase. Now, there's not too much to actually talk and speculate about with this news. The, unfortunately, the news is is that they're coming together and forming some kind of healthcare company to cover their own employees and try to make it a little more transparent for their employees about what's going on back and forth here. Uh, this was announced uh, the other day, January. This was announced January 30th, and I'm reading from a businesswire.com article um, stating that the goal is to improve U.S. employee satisfaction while reducing overall health care costs. Um, the three companies announced that, they're, that they are, quote, partnering on ways to address health care for their U.S. employees with the aim of improving employee satisfaction and reducing costs. The three companies, which bring their scale and complementary expertise to this long-term effort, will pursue this objective through an independent company that is free from profit-making incentives and constraints. The initial focus of the new company will be on the technology solutions that will provide U.S. employees and their families with simplified, high-quality, and transparent health care at a reasonable cost. Now, this is this is a an unprecedented monumental thing that's going on right now. This is essentially, you could say, the free market at work trying to tackle an issue. All right, an issue that uh, that Amazon founder and CEO Jeff Bezos says, "quote The healthcare system is complex, and we enter into this challenge." open-eyed about the degree of difficulty. Hard as it might be, reducing health care's burden on the economy while improving outcomes for employees and their families would be worth the effort. Success is going to require talented experts, a beginner's mind, and a long-term orientation. J.P. Morgan Chase CEO and Chairman Jamie Dimon quoted saying, quote, Our people want transparency, knowledge, and control when it comes to managing their health care. The three of our companies have extraordinary resources, and our goal is to create solutions that benefit our U.S. employees, their families, and potentially all Americans. Big, big deal going on, and everybody should be paying attention to this as things get laid out and as certain aspects of it come to light, because this is a big deal. This is a very big deal that you have... Uh, big powerhouse companies coming like c- combining together, saying that you know what, there is a healthcare issue, there is a lack of transparency, there is 
all these aspects to what's going on with healthcare. And everybody's expecting a magic wand to be waved for the solution to come because, oh, this works in Europe, you know. I hate every time we talk about healthcare and everybody constantly, just instantaneously goes to, oh, universal healthcare. It works in Denmark. It works in uh, Sweden. It works all over uh, Europe and European countries. And America is so far behind on it. Well, stop comparing our lifestyle and our country to other countries because they don't match up. They just don't match up. Everybody that's wanting to say, just pass universal health care. We can manage it. And then they cite all these other countries. Don't take into consideration the differences in lifestyle between us and them. The differences in income. The differences overall in our health care. Universal health care might work in other places in other countries, in other societies, but they are not American societies. They're not exactly the same. We call it westernized culture. Westernized culture varies from place to place. All right, America is pinnacle consumership. Pinnacle consumership. I don't think you can find a place on earth where you have more consumer anything. Think about all the stuff that we do, all right? We have restaurants on every street corner, every block, 9 billion different types, all right? We have all these different car manufacturing companies. We have so many varieties of different computers and cell phones and video games and all that, and and America loves to spend money. Loves to spend money. We also have on a grander scale, unhealthier people because of their lifestyles. Whether it's smoking, drinking, uh, diabetes, uh, overeating, over overweight. Uh, we have an opioid crisis going on right now, which the the, the blame for the opioid crisis could, la- could, could, could rest squarely on the shoulders of a bunch of different people. We talk about the opioid crisis. You talk about wave of one universal health care so everybody will be hunky-dory and taken care of, yet doctors probably are a centerpiece of the opioid crisis in prescribing painkillers and just getting money. And, and waving a wand and saying universal health care will wipe that out, pretty idiotic because there's money lying there too. It's just who's paying for it, where the, where the cost of it goes. So anybody that, this is a good thing. This is a very good thing, and it could dynamically change healthcare. It could. It's a key word. you got to try, though. You have to give it a shot. And I will sing the praises of any companies that want to try to do it independently for their employees. And, and what better way for Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, and J.P. Morgan Chase to try to tackle that frontier then joining forces together, finding a solution for their employees, and then seeing if it can be rolled out on a grander scale. And what if, I mean, it's a big game of what ifs, but what if they come up with some solution, some system that, A, does promote transparency, does unleash the pricing of health care, and does make it more affordable? I always believed that 
people really didn't want universal health care, that people really didn't just, you know, I mean, obviously, if you can wipe some bill out that you don't have to worry about, something that you don't have to stress over, obviously you want it. Does it mean that the government should do it for us? I'm the type that says no, because I believe in a limited government and because I don't believe in collectivism and I don't believe in the majority being valued more than the individual. I just don't. The individual is more important than the collective. Individualism is an important thing. And if you don't believe that the individual is more important than the collective, I mean, it's just something that you have to read and study up on. And I, you know, if your core belief is that the collective is more important than the individual, that's something that you've got to work on. The only thing that I can tell you is that that hasn't worked out in the past. And that tramples an individual's rights once you say that the collective is more important than the individual. It really does trample an individual's rights. And it really does depend on what you believe about rights and liberty and, and life. But I will champion Amazon, J.P. Morgan Chase, Berkshire Hathaway. I'll cheer them on. Why not? If they come up with a simpler solution that offers transparency and makes things more affordable for Americans to do it on their own, great. Because your health should be a priority in your mind and you should want to take care of it. You shouldn't be begging for somebody else to take care of it. Same way that if you have debt, it is your burden. You should be wanting to take care of it. It's a very big deal. Unfortunately, details are lax right now. But it's something to keep our eyes on and hope for the best. Absolutely hope for the best. Because if you're expecting somebody to come in with their magic wand and wave away a problem, I, I got news for you. This is the, the, This is the real world. And if I can end on a quote from... CEO Elizabeth Mitchell, who is in charge of the Network for Regional Healthcare Improvement, she states, quote, these businesses understand customer service, that is Amazon, Berkshire, and J.P. Morgan, um, reorienting healthcare to being customer-focused is exactly what is needed and will require massive and overdue change. Basically, everybody should be sitting here rooting for this to succeed and rooting for this to really carve its way into the industry because it can come up with healthcare solutions and making things more affordable for every person. The only thing I got to say to people out there thinking universal healthcare is the answer if you think that takes money out of it, it doesn't take money out of it. It passes the burden of worrying about money from you to the government. And the only thing that does is push your taxes up into the 40 or the 50% range. And if you want half of your earnings taken, what's the point in working if the government is, quote, entitled to nearly half 
of the money that you earned. That goes to the stupid libertarian saying that I always like to say, the, the, the taxation is theft thing. I'm not against necessarily paying taxes. I'm not, but at the end of the day, if you're getting 30% of my earnings, 40% of my earnings, 50% of my earnings to go to things that I don't even want from you, where is that fair? Where is that fair? I'm going to be keeping my eyes heavy on this health insurance company. Heavy on this health insurance company. Because they're literally trying to make sure that companies are paying a fair price for high quality services and getting the best bang for their buck. And that, my friends, that is to be applauded. Now, uh, can I tell you a secret about President Donald Trump's State of the Union address? I'll tell you a secret about President Donald Trump's State of the Union address. I didn't watch it. I didn't watch the State of the Union address. Nor did I listen to it. Not because I'm lazy, just because... uh, the past uh, couple of days, I worked a couple of overtimes, and I didn't get the chance to sit down and listen to it. I didn't. But, however, however, I will say this. Now, I, I can say this, that Donald Trump, uh, you know, immediately takes to Twitter uh, and, and tweets this out, quote, Thank you all for the nice compliments and reviews of the State of the Union speech. 45.6 million people watched the highest number in history. At Fox News beat every other network for the first time ever with 11.7 million people tuning in. Delivered from the heart. This is just Donald Trump diatribe, alright? The 45.6 million people that watched isn't the highest number in history. Not according to Washington Post, at least anyway. Um, Mind you... Yeah, mind you, George W. Bush's State of the Union address in 2000, in 2003 drew 62 million viewers, and joint sessions by Bill Clinton and Barack Obama outdid Donald Trump's number, but it's all arbitrary anyway because people stream stuff nowadays, and people also don't watch this stuff live anymore. Streaming and not watching things like this live have overtaken so much that you can't rely on ratings anymore because uh, we cater and we have this digital world where people can pick and choose what they want and how they view it and and viewership in number of this and number of ratings and all that doesn't include streaming they can't (laughs) I don't know what it is but they can't take in streaming numbers I I guess maybe they can't tally how many IP addresses are, are viewing a streaming video or whatever. I don't I don't know the technological bidding behind that. But streaming is so popular that people say the NFL's rating are down when actually streaming is up. People watch it locally on Sling TV or um, Fubo TV, uh, PlayStation View. These are all things that can't be accounted in a Nielsen ratings and they're over 
they're they're overshadowing and overcompassing all of the cable anyway because people are cutting the cable cords. And if people are cutting the cable cords, they can't really figure out demographically who's watching, where they're watching, how they're watching, all that, all that fluffed up jazz. So Donald Trump wants to talk about ratings. Who cares about ratings anyway? This is this is Trump. This is what Trump does. He trumps up the numbers. Who cares about how many people are watching the State of the Union? It has nothing to do with the content of the speech that was given content of the speech that was given or even better yet reaction of the speech as it was given and poll numbers are showing that Trump's approval rating for the state of the union was uh, in somewhere in the 60-ish percentile maybe low 70 percentile range and that is something to think about now, I'll save my thoughts for the State of the Union. I'll probably, I'll chalk it up to a blog post this time because I actually have to listen to it and formulate my thoughts and my opinions on it. And I don't want to just, you know, give you crap. But, you know, even surprisingly, like my own state senator here, Chris Coons, I overheard something of him immediately following the State of the Union where he said it sounded very promising. In some aspects, he was upset that he didn't hear a couple of things. And I was really surprised to hear that from Chris Coons. Because typically he just comes off as a critic of Republicanism and Donald Trump anyway. So I was surprised to hear that from him. So now I'm thinking maybe I might have some positive reaction for it. We'll see. Now supposedly, 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 the Nunez memo, the hashtag release the memo is supposed to come out today. You know, it's the, um, Trump is expected to signal to the House Intelligence Committee that he wants a memo written by GOP staffers faulting the FBI over the Russian investigation released. I don't want to dive into details on this. I want to say that this hype about the memo, I mean, it's GOP House control, GOP Senate control, GOP president, and now he's talking about release this memo like it's going to be some big bombshell thing. And I'm telling you, it's a big nothing burger. It's nothing. This release of the memo is not going to tell anybody anything. and It's not going to have any shreds of anything significant. It is a big hyping waste of space. It's a distraction. It is just the same old bull. Somebody's going to find something to grasp at straws with. Somebody's going to draw conclusions with it. That comes with the territory. But at the end of the day, this is the biggest waste of thing to talk about, this whole release the memo bullcrap, because it's probably nothing. I will be shocked if there is something significant in this memo. I really, really will. So to recap today, uh, in a short fusing, A, go Eagles, all right? B, I need to watch the State of the Union and probably should before I do my weekly podcast so I can give you my thoughts on it. But we'll just do it on WordPress. We'll, we'll, stick, it, we'll stick it to a blog post. Probably be more analytical with a blog post, right? Maybe. We'll see. And uh, three, memo, release the memo, hashtag release the memo, these types of things. Stupid, wasted time, dumb, not a bombshell, hype. All right, now if I can end on a positive note, 
just listen to this guy's Super Bowl prediction. This is Kyle Brandt of Good Morning Football on the NFL Network. So I've been talking for weeks now that my New Year's resolution, I can't give up on these guys. I can't do it. It was my resolution to it start was. the year. I've looked too bad too many times. They have the best quarterback I have ever seen. They have the best coach I have ever seen. And this is the longest I have ever gone without breaking my resolution. Kyle? Until now. Kyle? <laughs> Kyle? I do not have a Rocky quote today. I do not have a Revolutionary War reference. I don't have any link today to Vince Papali or Allen Iverson, the Broad Street Bullies, Hall Oates, Joe Fraser, Cheesesteaks, none of that. Enough of that nonsense. What I do have is this. This right here. This is the sheet. This is the sheet of everyone who is taking the Patriots, all right? A lot of big names on here. Boomer Esiason, Phil Simms, Matthew Berry taking the Patriots. You know what the worst part about it? This is not the sheet. These are the sheets. Look at all these sheets. I got a stack. Mike Clay, Mike Golick, Mina Kimes, Ian O'Connor, Lewis Riddick, Mike Sando, Mike Freeman, Don Pompey, Jared Bell. Simulation is taking the Patriots. We got a freaking giraffe that's taking the Patriots in a zoo. And this is what I say. Let them take the Eagles. Let them take the Patriots. I'm taking the Eagles. We all we got. We all we need. They're going to win this game. They're not going to win this game because they wear masks. They're not going to win this game because they have a chip on their shoulder. Not because they're, they're hungrier. The Eagles are going to win this game because they are better. Mm. Do this for me before kickoff. Do this. You put this Eagles roster right next to this Patriots roster. You look at every single starter at every position. You tell me how many times the Patriots have a better player. Four, five, okay. maybe six. That is it. The Eagles are going to win this, and it's not going to be that close. And the city is going to do some demon killing. No more images of damn sad sack Philadelphia losses. Burn them. Burn Joe Carter in 93. Burn Shaq and Kobe in 01. Burn Patrick Kane in 2010. And burn four straight NFC title games with no ring. Because when the birds rip this sucker as massive underdogs against the greatest quarterback, the greatest coach in NFL history, it will not only be one of the best sports upsets I've ever seen, it will immediately become the first thing I think of when I hear Philly sports for the rest of my life is that town is a bleeping winner. You start greasing those poles because these dogs are going to eat some goat, and that title is coming home. Eagles, Eagles, I see you, KB. Eagles fly 30 to 20.